The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. There's a growing number of people who believe we need to change law enforcement as we know it. In fact, some people say um, the solution to police brutality and addressing the concerns of black, indigenous and people of color is simple to defund the police. In Minneapolis, a majority of counselors there say they are going to support um, dismantling that city's police department and replace it with a new community based system of public safety. But what exactly does defunding the police mean and is it really that simple? Dr. Christian Luprecht is a professor at Queen's University and the Royal Military College. He joins us this afternoon. Welcome back to 630 Ched. Good afternoon. Let's start with this because I think a lot of people um, are a little confused at exactly what it means when we say defunding or divesting um, uh, the police. Can you explain it? I think some people means abolishing the police force, and that's not what it means. I mean, I, I broadly see this as uh, a couple of different points that people are making. One is to have a conversation about uh, public safety, community safety um, outcomes. And the question about whether law enforcement is the most efficient and effective way to achieve those particular outcomes. And I think if we look at sort of over the last 20 years, uh, provincial and local governments have either divested or underinvested in um, many of the social services, economic services that... Um, especially marginalized communities are looking for. And so, in effect, police end up backstopping those services, um, which uh, then means we've effectively securitized that function, which is the single most expensive way of dealing with those particular challenges. And I think many uniform members would say that many of the calls that they receive and they respond to, they don't have a particular expertise or comparative advantage in responding to the calls. They're responding because there's no other government agency or entity that can respond in a timely fashion and getting people the services they need um, in time and in the um, for the length uh, of period that they need uh, can be uh, can be very difficult but I think it's also a broader sort of indication that um, I think members of the public feel that in a democracy they should have a say about their policing services and then in Canada we haven't had a big conversation about policing and that I think the silver lining here is that we need to have a more informed conversation um, and the sense that uh, the public feels that perhaps they're not getting quite um, the quality um, of the service that they're looking for from members um, in uniform, that policing has grown um, a lot more complex, I would say, over the last 20 years. Um, and so, again, there the opportunity to have a broader democratic conversation that also forces politicians uh, to get engaged because ultimately we can try to blame uh, police and impose ever more accountability or so. But police can only operate within the budgets they're given and within the legislative constraints that are imposed upon them. Uh, and politicians notoriously don't want to get involved in conversations about police because, by and large, uh, they think it's a net loser. And so it's easier just to blame it on the police force, wash your hands and walk away.
Uh, you you bring up so many uh, points there, Dr. Luprecht, and I, I think I just want to break it down just a, a little bit more. When we talk about uh, the police budget, I think Edmonton, if I remember correctly off the top of my head, it was almost $400 million. That was a police budget for 2019. If we were to defund or kind of divest some of that money, take some of that money away, what they're suggesting then is to put it towards some other programs, maybe mental health programs, maybe, um, you know, domestic violence programs. So we have those people who could respond to those issues instead of having police do it? So the pitch in my own work has been that uh, as we've effectively expanded policing functions into policing um, uh, forms of social deviance and anomic behavior, that perhaps one opportunity to start is to think about are there functions within policing and the police budget that we can either civilianize or that we can contract uh, to other entities to provide. So it would still be able to happen under the umbrella and under the direction and sort of cohesion of perhaps uh, the the police service more broadly, but not necessarily having a uniform member um, respond to that particular function. There's different ways of doing this. Uh, the Toronto Police Service, for instance, is trying to divert more non-emergency calls to the 311 number uh, in order to get people better um, better services. But ultimately, um, there's, I think, a significant gap between sort of the immediate tactical response that law enforcement can provide and the broader sort of social policy intervention that, that people need that can often take month, uh, weeks or months uh, for them to get. And in the meantime, police often have repeated interactions with the same sort of challenging individuals. Those individuals over time get ever more agitated with their interactions with police. Um, And so maybe there's a better mechanism even within the policing budgets that we currently have uh, to deliver more effective and more efficient outcomes. But unfortunately, police forces have been very reticent. Civilianization in this country has been very sluggish. They've been very reticent uh, to take the uniforms out in part because police associations militate vehemently um, against uh, any possible what they might see as a possible reduction in uniform complement even though I've argued that by the savings we get with civilians we can actually have more uniform members and more civilians delivering better services for the population at large. Uh, the Edmonton police chief uh, told this show just on Friday that 92% of the calls that uh, the officers here respond to are not criminal in nature. Many of them are often mental health related. I, I wonder if, you know, we have to start asking ourselves or at what point do we get to the point that we're asking, is this policing or isn't it policing? Are they more social workers than police officers? Is that something that we need to be looking at and asking? Well, I've often said and also written that police are the social workers of last resort. Um, many of my uniform friends say that they're actually the, the social workers of first resort. Mm-hmm. And police will be the first ones to say that uh, many of these calls are probably not best addressed uh, by police, but uh, that's the service that we have available. Um, and so we send generalists to calls that really require a highly specialized response. Now. The simplistic sort of answer is like, well, let's just take 
have fewer police and have more social workers. But clearly, I mean, some of these calls, if you think about, for instance, the calls in Edmonston or the, the recent call in Toronto, when you have a weapons-related call or, um, or, or potential offense, you're not going to put a social worker in the line of harm. Um, you need to have a, a member with um, a broad array of, of use of force tools at their disposal. But let's remember that police have thousands of interactions a day with the public, yep. and for them to resort to use of force is extremely rare in this country in terms of the use of force uh, force tools. And so we also sometimes generate a bit of a false narrative about uh, police uh, using excessive violence, when by and large it is actually very rare for police to deploy violence um, in this country, and we just need to make sure in cases where it is deployed, it is deployed legally and within the procedures and training that uniformed members receive. Dr. Luprecht, there has been a lot of talk over the past two weeks. I mean, this has been simmering in the background for quite some time, this conversation about uh, changing uh, the police model. It's been it's been talked on and off for, for years. My gosh, when I started in this business 30 years ago, that seemed to be when community policing, that was the big buzzword, and we're still moving and trying to figure that out. This conversation has started. What do you believe is going to be needed to continue the conversation conversation and maybe um, end up with some change because we can all talk to talk, uh, talk the talk um, and politicians can talk the talk, but someone's going to have to walk the walk. The echoes that resonate, I think, here in your comments is that this is also a conversation about how we govern uh, and manage police forces, as well as the professionalization of policing. I think in terms of professionalization, the public expects the same sort of professional, uh, professionalism from members in uniform as they expect from teachers, lawyers, engineers, nurses, um, and so forth. And I think they're not seeing that uh, professionalization. Um, the other is that we still manage police forces in a very traditional fashion. You start at the bottom and you work your way up. Well, if you think about your own radio station or many of the companies that uh, that people work for that's not how senior management works senior management has highly specialized individuals that are finance experts that are hr experts uh, and i would say actually the edmonton police service may be among the most progressive in the country uh, in the way it runs administration and i do give chief uh, mcphee considerable credit uh, for having been an innovator in terms of driving how services are delivered but i think there's a much broader conversation that still needs to be had uh, about how we can innovate uh, management and how we can innovate the business model because it's not just the business model uh, in terms of the quality of the service that communities expect. It is also uh, a business model that is unsustainable, as you point out, in terms of the cost um, of, the service, uh, of the service delivery. And so I think that combination here is driving this call for change by democratic public um, in, terms of, uh, in terms of change. The challenge is that I think much of the public has an impoverished understanding of policing because most people don't have much of an interaction with police. They watch their TV and, uh, and what happens on television has very little to do with how policing actually works. And the communities that have interactions with police tend to have negative reactions with, uh, with police and so uh, inherently want police either out of their lives or want to change the way uh, police interacts with them. And that suggests to me that when we talk about public safety, um, what city council means, what police means, what the broader Edmonton community and what specific uh, 
racialized or marginalized communities within Edmonton, for instance, mean is very different. And so we need to start with a conversation about what we actually mean by public and community safety, because when you're talking about marginalized communities, you're talking about food security, you're talking about economic security. Um, and so the calls for service to police um, are a broader symptom of, uh, of challenges that police in and of themselves simply cannot address. Dr. Luprecht, I always enjoy our conversations. We're going to leave it uh, there this afternoon. Thanks for joining me. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Take care now. That's Dr. Christian Luprecht, as, um, a professor of political science, the Royal Military College, and Queen's University.